Welcome to the SciDef Cybersecurity Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Evans, and this is my co-host, Michael Fairweather. We're here to provide you with the cybersecurity news that matters to help you in the cyber realm. We are proud members of the Pod Bros Podcast Network. Check them out at podbros.com. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 12. This week, Michael and I have some good stories to cover. I have bug exposes open SSH server to brute force password guessing attacks and lessons we learned from Ashley Madison data breach. What do you have for us, Michael? This week, I've got WordPress gets patched for critical cross-site scripting flaw. And Apple Mac OS X vulnerability allows attackers to hack your computer. Right on. Let's get into our first story then, Michael. And let's talk about WordPress. WordPress uh, released this week version 4.2.3, which resolved a cross-site scripting vulnerability that could allow users with the contributor or author roles to compromise a website. For those of you who don't know what a cross-site scripting attack is, cross-site scripting is a type of computer security vulnerability typically found in web applications. Cross-site scripting, also known as XSS, enables attackers to inject client-side scripts into web pages viewed by other users, and the effects may range from some petty nuisance, such as redirecting you to another web page or you know, causing some kind of pop-up to occur, or it could cause a significant security risk, such as data theft from users. And this could be things like stealing cookies from the from the user or stealing their passwords. Often cookies will be stolen, so people can then access a web page using that cookie, and they would identify them as that user and allow them to use the user's account without actually needing the passwords and needing to log on. Yeah, there's actually uh, open source software out there that allows you to capture that cookie in the login authentication and uh, then reuse it later on. Well, this flaw is not as critical as a flaw that can be exploited without authentication. It's still a pretty high risk for many websites because the compromise of a single non-admin user account can turn into a complete website takeover. Um, This new update also fixed a low severity flaw uh, that allowed users with the subscriber permission to create post drafts through the quick draft feature, as well as 20 other non-secure bugs. It's interesting that, you know, they have so many bugs and they really don't talk about the other bugs. Um, The reason why I think that's interesting is because a lot of people forget to take into account that a lot of low severity issues can be combined to create a high severity issue. Yes, the one main high severity issue that they claim wasn't really that dangerous may not have been that dangerous. However, 20 plus low severity issues could easily cause a a huge problem for people. Absolutely. If you start stacking them when you're going through and, and and, and researching this and figuring out how to exploit those flaws, you start stacking those 20 flaws in the right order, in the right sequence, you can absolutely, I mean, wreak havoc. It's Granted, it's going to take a lot of work, but even a small flaw can potentially open up a huge hole in a system. So what can users do to protect themselves from these WordPress vulnerabilities? Well, the best thing they can do is actually update and install to the newest version, the, uh, the new WordPress dashboard. It will install the new update, and it will resolve this uh, cross-site scripting vulnerability as well as the other bugs that were found. And if, you've, if you do use WordPress, 
um, and your website is configured for automatic uh, background updates, then it's already been patched, so you really don't have to worry about it. WordPress websites, they are a common target for attackers. Uh, they actually, hackers use them for, um, you know, different various purposes. For example, they can host malware to launch DDoS attacks from them. So speaking of flaws and vulnerabilities, did you hear that there's a new bug that exposes OpenSSH servers to brute force password guessing attacks? I'm guessing that's not a tiny bug. It's like an ant to a hissing cockroach, whereas this bug is a hissing cockroach. All right. <laughs> saying it's big. Oh, it's big. It's a big bug. It. Have you ever seen a hissing cockroach? I've never a seen huge. a hissing cockroach. Yeah. But just comparing a regular ant to a cockroach is a you know, pretty big size difference. So a bug in OpenSSH, which is software used for secure remote access to Unix-based systems, could allow attackers to bypass authentication, retry restrictions, and execute as many password guesses as they want. So just brute forcing it. It is brute forcing it. However, it's bypassing the automatic lockout. So something that everybody should have in place, this bug is allowing it to bypass that. Yes. By default, OpenSSH servers allow six authentication retries before closing a connection, and the OpenSSH client allows three incorrect password entries. So six from the server, and the client's only allowing three. Correct. However, OpenSSH servers with keyboard interactive authentication enabled which is the default setting on many of the systems, including FreeBSD, can be tricked to allow as many authentication retries over a single connection as the person wants. So they don't have to keep attempting to re-establish an SSH connection. They can just sit there and let it run. Seems like it would save time. With this vulnerability, an attacker is able to request as many password prompts limited by the login grace time setting that is set to two minutes by default. Depending on the server and connection, two minutes could allow for thousands and thousands of retries, which could be enough to guess a common or weak password, you know, like the ones that we saw with hacking team. Oh, password, but with the A as a four? Yeah. I feel like that would be up on the list, but they need like five guesses. There was some discussion on Reddit, and according to the discussion, setting password authentication to no in the OpenSSH configuration and using public key authentication does not prevent this attack from occurring because keyboard interactive authentication is a different subsystem that also relies on passwords. Therefore, users should set challenge response authentication and KBD interactive authentication to know in their configuration. So it sounds like the implementation of the system is actually where the problem lies, not so much in the, you know, you've set your limit in one area, but there's something else elsewhere in the subsystem that's actually overriding that. Yeah, that keyboard interactive authentication is what's causing all the trouble here. Something that I'm sure was meant to be be useful and helpful for the users, but ultimately it's bypassing a security feature that is needed to protect these databases. Yeah. So again, you know, like we said before, set challenge response authentication and KBD interactive authentication to know in your configuration if you have open SSH and that will protect you. Apple, I heard, had also had a vulnerability that allowed attackers to hack their computers. Yeah, they did. Um, this one was a critical vulnerability, though. Not just a small bug. Not an ant versus a hissing cockroach. This is a hissing cockroach versus a, um, let's go with... Elephant? An elephant. That would be a great one. 
Yeah, the vulnerability actually allowed anyone to obtain unrestricted root user privileges with the help of a code um, that fits in the size of a tweet. Ooh, 140 characters. Yeah. In fact, uh, that code was actually tweeted out this week. That's so terrible. Yeah, the uh, this privilege escalation vulnerability was reported last Tuesday by a German researcher, Stefan Esser, um, and said it could be exploited by circumventing security protections and gaining full control of Mac computers. So the worst thing about this is that the this critical vulnerability has yet to be fixed by Apple as of the latest release of its uh, OS, which is 10.10.4, which was done back at the end of June. Vulnerability makes it easier for hackers to um, infect Macs with rootkits and other types of persistent malware. And it's all thanks to an environment variable, which is dyld underscore print underscore two underscore file, which Apple added to the code of Yosemite, so 10.10, when it first started off. This vulnerability does give you full control of a Mac. That's always good. Yeah. Well, I've always wanted full control of the Mac, but you never know, to give somebody else. You know, I don't really need to worry about this because um, I never need to take full control of a Mac because who wants, who wants to control a Mac? <laughs> I mean, I'm not a graphics designer. I'm not using it to mix some music. I'm going to hack into somebody's Mac and, you know, mix some music. So I'm good. <laughs> I'm not going to exploit this. And we, we don't have to worry. Like, all the banks aren't going to get hacked. I mean, what bank is using Macs these days? That's true. Most are not using Macs. Um, most, most are probably using all. Most are probably using Windows XP, like the ATMs are. <laughs> Which has no critical vulnerabilities at all. And there are probably a couple of mom-and-pop banks out in the middle of America who's using Windows 3.1. Oh, they really like the, the graphical um, user interface of that. Yeah, it's a fantastic GUI. It really is. <laughs> I will say that as a as someone who has both a Mac and a PC... I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry that you have the Mac. <laughs> I'm sure you are. should trade that in for a new laptop. A new laptop, yeah. I'll get right on that. I am definitely awaiting Apple to fix this vulnerability, and hopefully they don't leave it as it is for right now with the new, uh, the newest beta version of um, El Capitan, which is 10.11. As of right now, that's the only um, OS that has actually been updated to correct this critical flaw. You know, I had read that this had come about due to developers failing to use standard safeguards that are needed when adding support for new environment variables to the OSX dynamic link layer DYLD. This allows hackers to modify or create arbitrary files with root privileges, which is really scary. It's dangerous because allowing anybody to create these arbitrary files owned by the root user somewhere, they can write little scripts you know, to do whatever they want on the system. They could write back doors into it that will allow them to, you know, exfiltrate data for them from the people's computers. It's really dangerous to have out there. Absolutely. And as we said, the code to exploit this is is not hard at all. Savan Esser um, actually tweeted the necessary um, exploitation code, and it does fit within a uh, single tweet. The only Macs that are vulnerable to this are, is anybody that is upgraded to Yosemite. So 10.10 .10 and then beyond. Um, and it's 
Yosemite in its current version, 10.10.4, uh, and in the beta version, 10.10.5, are both vulnerable. The only one that is not is the beta version of El Capitan, which I said is 10.11. It is not affected by this flaw, uh, meaning that Apple actually already knew about it and did not update it for the newest for, or for the uh, current operating system. So what can users do to protect themselves from this? Well, Esser created a uh, fix for the vulnerability, which you actually can download from GitHub right now to actually fix this bug. And we'll put that in the show notes so anybody that is running a Mac, running on Yosemite, any version of Yosemite, they can download that and, and actually go through and fix this. And just in case Apple does not release an official patch for it. And even if they do, then you're covered. And we'll, like I said, we'll put that in there. We'll put that in the show notes. Right on. So, I don't know about you, but there was a, an article that kind of angered me this way. Well, not the initial article itself. The initial article itself was very well thought out, very well written, very thorough with its information, has a huge depth of knowledge in the in the article. It's from Wired. Mm -hmm. They did an article with Charlie Miller and Chris Valasek. Both individuals work in the penetration testing world. They're professionals. They both have degrees. I believe Charlie Miller actually has a PhD. What I'm talking about is the Jeep hack. I don't know if you saw it or not. When I first read that they had hacked a Jeep, I wanted to check and make sure that mine was not vulnerable. I've been fighting for Charlie Miller and Chris Velasek all week. <laughs> I keep hearing people like bad mouthing hackers because you know they're they're attacking vehicles. Let's get something straight here. These guys are white hats who were doing research with Chrysler for nearly nine months. I mean, these guys like put in a lot of time and effort working with the car company themselves. So they created a tool that would enable the attack by rewriting the chip's firmware. However, unlike other hackers, they're not putting out their full code. You know, they're being responsible about this. And it, it's really angering me because then you flip over to Fox News. You know, you see the Fox News headline on the internet. This is literally the news article. Patch your Chrysler vehicle before hackers kill you. Where do you go, fear-mongering? Right. The reason why this angers me is because these are two individuals who are doing research and put in a lot of time and effort and did some fantastic work to protect people. You know, and they brought this to Wired Magazine to show Wired what could happen, to get the message out that this is an important issue. This is something that needs fixed. It's possible developers need to think with security in mind in the future to prevent this from happening in the future, you know? Yeah. Very responsible of them. Kudos to both of those guys. I have not seen anybody do it as well as they have, you know, getting the word out. But then you hop on the internet and there's fear mongering everywhere. And this stops people from going out and doing independent research because now Charlie Miller and Chris Valasek are no longer the guys who found this potential flaw. They're now to people who don't know what they're talking about and don't, you know, fully read articles, you know, just see the headlines. Those two could be looked at in the future as, oh, those are the guys are going to kill me in my car. Right. As you said, they worked with Chrysler going through and finding this out. You shouldn't be attacking those people for doing their jobs. Their jobs are extremely noble. It's, it's what needs to be done because if they're not finding the flaws, somebody else is or somebody else will. Yeah. And then the, the Wired online article in it, not only do they talk about 
about what's possible because they, have, they actually have a person sitting in the car and Chris and Charlie, you know, are on the radio with the guy the entire time. And they're like, okay, this is going to happen. Now this is going to happen. Okay. Prepare yourself for this now. Really, really awesome how they went about demonstrating it. You know, super responsible of them. So not only did Wired discuss all of this in depth, but they also provide it a link directly to the update that people can put onto um, a USB stick and go right out to their car and update it. I don't know. It's just frustrating that that kind of you know fear mongering. That's it's exactly what it is. Is out there when we when we talk about stuff, it's not to scare people. It's to inform them and say, hey, this is why that happened. And half the time, it's because of uh, you know something that a user did or didn't do. It's hey, get a stronger password. Hey, check on these settings. This is this is why this happened. This is how you can protect yourself. Now there's things out there that we can't fix. If there's a security flaw on something, that's not something that we, you know, are able to just go out and fix every security flaw. But we can inform you so that you know, hey, until there's an update or I'm hey, let me look for an update to see if it has been patched. And if it hasn't, then you can know, okay, you know what? Maybe I don't need to use this product right now. Let me wait until it has been updated and we can come back to it. But to simply say that the guys doing this, you know, are going to kill you, is it, that crosses a line. Pure fear mongering. Yeah. Angers me. I mean, we're doing a lot in the community to try to promote education and try to promote people doing independent research, you know. I just put together a CTF, a STEM outreach for the community, and it's hard to get people out there to attend that when we're trying to reach an audience of high school students, you know, for the science, technology, engineering, mathematics outreach to teach young kids, and their parents are reading articles that say, you know, hackers are bad, they're going to kill you. You know, we're just seeing the headlines, hackers are bad, they're going to kill you. And then the kids say, oh, mom, dad, I want to be a penetration tester. Oh, well, what's that? Oh, it's a it's a white hat hacker. And the parents are like, no, don't you dare do that. You know, no, you're not allowed to do that. go to that event. There's a bunch of weirdos that are going to get you arrested. The FBI is going to be there. Thanks, Fox News. I appreciate it. You make educating people harder. End rant. <laughs> so enough about that rant. Yeah. If you hadn't heard, Ashley Madison was hacked this week, <laughs> which is kind of funny. It's, um, it's just, I don't know what that is. So a website for people who can't be trusted, can't be trusted. That's a good way of putting it. I don't know what they expect it. So Ashley Madison, the apparently popular online dating website with the tagline, life is short, have an affair, recently got hit by a hack and 37 million customers data was stolen by a group called the impact team the impact team has kind of been teasing and about releasing the info and um this isn't the first time we've seen one of these kind of websites hit two months ago adult friend finder was hit and four million users data was stolen and made available on underground markets and it was on sale for 70 bitcoin which is the equivalent of sixteen thousand dollars so you could sell four million to people's data for uh, seventy Bitcoin. I feel like they could have got more. Well, you think that. However, if you actually go out onto the deep web and look at these markets where people sell information, you can buy a credit card that has three hundred dollars on it for fifty bucks. Because a lot of times, the assets that are being sold necessarily aren't being used for their monetary value. Um, for okay. example a credit card with $300 on it that's being sold, a person isn't going to use that credit card to buy $300 worth of stuff. They'll use that credit card 
to open up a Amazon or Google server to launch botnets from. And they may only use a hundred bucks on it. So things being sold, such as credit cards or people's data, doesn't go for the value of the actual money on the card. It goes for what it could be used for basically. Gotcha. So, you know, these people are going to have their credit cards out there and stuff like that. 37 million. That's if they decide to sell it rather than dump all the data, it's going to be a lot more than 70 Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's going to be a pretty penny to these guys. The Ashley Madison hack, you know, it makes people question security of websites and, you know, user and employee information and how it's stored. You know, we've seen Sony Pictures get hit, Target, Anthem, Home Depot, a whole slew of people getting hit and users' data being lost. And, you know, it just shows nothing out there is secure. You know, and nothing stays private whatsoever. You think you're going to go on this anonymous site and post your name and use your credit card to sign up for it. And you're going to have to use your real name because you're going to have to use your credit card to sign up for it. Yeah. Of course, your data is going to get out there. You know, yeah. Nothing is private on the internet whatsoever even if you're using a username your credit card doesn't have a username yeah maybe they should <laughs> credit card alias there you go it's a new security implementation another big problem is a lot of websites don't use encryption you know there's a lot of websites you go to that you get certificate warnings for still today because they they forget to renew their certificates or or don't want to so that's another big problem that we're that we're facing in this world where we're putting everything on the web is encryption people don't realize how important encryption is and even if they do use encryption there's still third party problems you know such as adobe flash and internet explorer that are causing huge security gaps that hackers are using to attack these these organizations that are keeping all this data. So they can use encryption, but then hackers could use Adobe Flash zero days to get sensitive information from the users on the system, you know, employees on the system, and then decrypt the user's data with their own system and then exfiltrate the data. So even if they are using encryption, there's still web applications that are causing huge, huge security risks. Yeah. And then there was something else that happened in the Ashley Madison hack. You know, they had this privacy flaw, which if you knew somebody's email address, you could perform a password reset attempt to see whether or not the person had an account on there. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so I guess you know, to get around that, you just don't use your personal email. You use a different one. If you're going to go through the trouble, which... I, I have a different view about websites like that. But if you're going to go through the trouble, use it. don't use your personal email. The ultimate message is nothing is private on the internet. No. You, know, you have to look at your digital footprint that you leave behind. This goes for users and this goes for companies. You know, there are things called Google hacks, quote unquote hacks. You know, there's simple series of strings that you can use in a Google search with different variables that you want. For example, there's a Google hack which allows you to search a certain website for .txt files or .pdf files. And a lot of times there's websites where people in the organization will host a file and think that nobody will see it. Well, you hop on, on Google and you do a simple .pdf search and you can find stuff. You know, for example, I went across one website, I'm not going to say what website it was, and I searched for file type .pdfs, and I found resumes from an employee 
that worked for them. And on that resume that they had stored on the server, there was there was telephone numbers and addresses of some high profile people that they work for. Um, and these these were celebrities who they worked for. And I could have just, you know, hopped on my cell phone and, and called up the people. Yeah, I'm sure somebody has <laughs> that, that files on a database somewhere. But, you know, nothing secure on the Internet. Yeah. Companies need to look at their digital footprint to check for memos that might be might have accidentally been released or their internal phone listing or a list of all of the addresses and phone numbers of their employees that might be a, a quick reference guide for management. They need to check this kind of stuff. Yeah, they need to constantly be looking for any kind of uh, PII, personal identifiable information. Um, stuff out there that's not necessarily bad or, you know, a lot of information, but stuff that if anybody took that and could get a little bit more, could actually start piecing stuff together. Yeah, it's, it's very important, you know. And on that privacy and data footprint note, this week we talked about WordPress and the cross-site scripting vulnerability that they had and determined that you need to update to the newest dashboard to protect yourself. A bug exposes OpenSSH servers to brute force password guessing attacks. And again, users should set challenge response authentication and KBD interactive authentications to no. We'll put that in the show notes just for anybody who needs to look at that. Apple Mac OS X vulnerability allows attackers to hack your computer. And what do we determine for that one, Michael? Download Esser's SUID guard from GitHub, which we will have in the show notes to patch this vulnerability. Right on. And we also discussed lessons learned from Ashley Madison data breach. And we determined from that one, you need to watch your data footprint. Yeah. It's very important to watch what you put on the internet. You were taught that as a kid. And you might have thought that you know, it was just your mom trying to scare you, that you're going to get kidnapped. Uh... But in modern times, it's become much more scary than that. You can now lose your identity, rack up debt that's not yours, and possibly be implicated in some stuff that you don't want to be implicated in. Not to scare you. Yeah, not to scare you. You got a security tip of the week there for us, Michael? I absolutely have a security tip of the week. So this week, a lot of people are always worried about their devices possibly getting stolen. One of the bigger things to worry about, though, is not it getting stolen but you're losing it. According to Verizon, people are actually 16 times more likely to lose a laptop or mobile device than to have it stolen. So especially when traveling, um, that's one of the best times or one of the easier times to actually lose something going through some kind of security checkpoint or whatever. Uh, you want to always make sure that you are keeping you know, that, that accountability of your stuff, your, your laptop, your, your tablet, your phone, your, you know, your iPod, your MP3 player, whatever you've got. Make sure you've got that positive accountability of, of your stuff and where it is at all times. Right on. Fantastic security tip there, Michael. You- I was your host, Raymond Evans, and he was my glorious co-host, Michael Fairweather. And who's else? Stay safe. Keep your network safe. Have a week. Have a week. <laughs>